everyone, welcome to another episode of the Founders Craft Podcast. On today's show, we're going to talk all about why you need a personalization strategy. Let's think back to when we were in middle school or even high school, potentially even college, when we probably registered an account on AOL Instant Messenger. You know, the platform where you came up with that clever screen name. Uh, it was an art back in the day where you needed to either maybe take your hobby, your gender, and maybe the year you're born, the year you graduated, and combine that together into a clever screen name. So if you loved skateboarding, you might have been Skater Boy 86. If you loved soccer, you might have been Soccer Chick 91. Whatever that was, that was how we identified ourselves online. We didn't really use our real name, didn't want to share our location, and probably didn't even use our real picture. We used an avatar. Fast forward 20 years later, we take for granted how much information we actually share with the brands that we do business with, with the products that we love. This is what personalization is all about. The brands that do this really well have a well-crafted strategy around personalization. So what is personalization strategy? Personalization strategy is actually a framework for anticipating the needs of your customer before they realize they need it. Personalization is the management of relationship between your customer and your brand. So what we need to do is kind of put a frame around how we collect information, how we use that information, and how our customer interacts with that information. So I'm gonna share with you, first of all, what is personalization strategy? And then what are the benefits of personalization strategy? And then I'm gonna share with you how to create a personalization strategy. So what is personalization strategy? As I mentioned earlier, personalization strategy is really a framework for anticipating the needs of your customer before they realize their own needs. It is about reducing the number of steps that it takes to complete a task or interact with your product or service in a way that creates a more seamless experience for your customer. The goal of personalization is to understand the big picture of what your customer is trying to do and or accomplish across the brands that they interact with in a way that's helping them achieve their desires with the least amount of friction possible. That is what personalization is all about. And so when we realize that personalization is the management between the relationship with your customer and your brand, we have to think about what does an, an experience look like with personalization and what does an experience look like without personalization? So let's imagine you're online and you're getting ready to purchase that one item you found at this random online store. And right as you click add to cart, you click checkout, and then all of a sudden you see a form that says sign in or continue as a guest. Now, if you sign in, it's going to remember your first and last name. It's making the assumption you have an account. Your billing information is on file. You're ready to hit the races. You're ready to hit go. But if you don't have an account, you continue as a guest, and now they're asking, what's your first name? What's your last name? What's your mailing address? What's your billing address? What's your, uh, what's your, what card do you have on file? This is personalization. And so there are actually three levels of personalization that every brand uh, either has incorporated into their product or service or is beginning to incorporate into their product or service. So let's talk about what those three levels are. And I want you to kind of, as you're hearing these levels, think about which level of personalization your brand, product, or service has today. So level one is what I describe as identifying the customer. 
The whole purpose of level one personalization is just to identify the customer. This is what uh, the early days of the internet was all about. You create an account and you identify with a screen name. That's literally it. It's just one place where the product or service I'm interacting with remembers me. That's it. And so an example of this would be if you create an account on eBay or Pinterest or even Instagram, a social media account, you would literally register a screen name, connect it to your email address, sign in, and whatever you explicitly told that product or service by answering a, a series of questions or forms, that's all they knew about you. That's it. Now, level two personalization kind of takes level one to the next level because now it's combining not only the information about um, the non-identifying information, like their screen name or email address, and pairs it with personal information. This is where we're adding our first name, our last name, our billing address. It might even keep a record of maybe the recent orders we've had or the uh, recent movies we've watched or songs we've listened to. That is level two personalization. It's where you're literally just adding personal information with the non-personal information. And it's really just a general ledger or a general purpose database of information the customer is adding to their profile. But level three, informa uh, level three personalization is really where things have shifted to. So if you love Netflix, if you love Amazon, if you are a Spotify or Apple Music listener, this is level three personalization put into practice real time. Level three personalization is where machine learning and artificial intelligence uh, and even real time customer behavior is all being analyzed and tracked. And what's happening is every time you use the product or service, it's actually training an algorithm to learn more about what you like, what you don't like, uh, the things you interact with, the things you don't interact with, so that the, the company, product or service, can actually position the things that you want and are likely to buy at the right time. This also helps companies kind of predict or anticipate your needs before you know you actually need it because they're able to collectively look at all the information they know, they know about you, things that you've told them explicitly, but also the things that they've implied based on your behavior to then create an experience that's going to be very seamless for you. So to recap, there are three types or three levels of personalization. Level one is to just simply identify the customer. This is where we might create an account with general purpose information, uh, non-personal identifiable information. Level two is where we now add personal information with the generic account, and we're beginning to keep records of all of this information, but we're not really doing much with it. And then level three is where we're now creating uh, an algorithm, which is naturally implicitly learning based on our behavior and crafting a persona or an understanding of who we are to then better serve us. So now that we understand the three types of personalization, I want to share with you what are the benefits of even having a personalization and what is the ROI? What does that look like? Customers want the brands they love to understand what they want, what they're interested in, and what they believe, both about themselves and the world. So when you understand this frame of mind, there's actually three benefits to a personalization strategy. And then I'm gonna talk about some tangible examples of what this looks like and put it all together to kind of wrap your head around this. But just think about it this way. Personalization strategies increase customer or audience engagement. It reduces the friction within an experience your customer might have 
and three, it drives retention. So the first thing it does is it increases engagement. So think about Netflix, Amazon, Spotify, YouTube, all of these platforms understand that their customers want a personalized experience when they interact with their products. And these services give their customer direction through recommended content. So in other words, if they open up the app, but they don't see anything that they want or anything that they might be interested in or anything that might be familiar, they're not going to engage. And so personalization is what drives engagement. The next thing it does is it reduces friction. So think of it this way. Personalization is disarming. It's a familiar experience for the customer. So when things are personalized, it reduces the anxiety of the unknown or even the unexpected from the customer's mind. And so what happens with this is it helps the customer, it helps bring the walls down from the customer when uh, they interact with the product or service and they can actually be themselves. Because a lot of friction that's, uh, that tends to be created can happen when the unexpected, the undesirable, the um, unnecessary or the unfamiliar happens. And so all I have to say is if you think about the DMV or dealing with any sort of government entity, this is the definition of friction. They always ask you to do something that is entirely unanticipated, unreasonable, and uh, typically it ends with frustration. And the third thing it does is it actually drives retention. So think about it this way. In order to retain a customer, that means the customer must be satisfied. And typically, satisfaction is driven with trust. And so when you personalize a product or service, you're actually building trust with your customer. It actually creates a common ground between you and your customer, and this alone drives retention. It enables you to make recommendations on next steps. It helps you make sure that the things that you are recommending are actually in alignment with what your customer's hoping, what they're dreaming, and what they're aspiring for. And so, again, the three benefits of personalization is to increase engagement, to reduce friction, and to drive retention. Now that we know the ROI are the benefits of a personalization strategy, I want to share with you the four things every brand needs to create a personalization strategy. And those four things are, one, a persona, a journey, the ecosystem, and a transparency plan. So let me unpack this. The first thing that you need to create a personalization plan is to create a customer persona. You must know your customer's persona. And said differently, you need to understand who they are. And we need to get some clarity around what your customer is, what they like, why they like it. That is a persona. And there's various ways to create personas through research, through um, behavior monitoring, a lot of these types of services out there. And uh, I even work with people to help understand who their customer persona is. But you have to really have a clear picture of who your customer is. The next thing you need is a customer journey. Now, a customer journey is what path the customer took to arrive to the destination. In other words, it's what were they doing before they started using your product? What were they doing when they started using your product? And what were they doing after they started using your product? You know, so a customer journey kind of helps you understand the customer's goals, their motivations, their emotions, what their process or steps they're taking, and ways that you could potentially improve every touch point they have with your brand before, during, and after they engage with your product or service. So that's a customer journey. And there are great tools out there that help with customer journey mapping. 
and this is also something that I work with uh, teams to help create. And the third thing that is required for a, uh, a personalization strategy is understanding your customer's ecosystem. Now, this is a very big one, mainly because you have to kind of understand what positive or negative experiences are your customers comparing your product or service to, right? So if you, for example, have a brand that you love to work with or that you love to buy things from, and you find yourself coming back over and over again, again, engaging, and they're retaining you as a customer, um, it's likely that you have a great experience. But in the back of your mind, you probably have a example of a company you may have, uh, that was a competitor, you may have done work with or bought from or interacted with, that was a horrible experience. Both of those positive and negative experiences you're keeping in your mind the whole time you're interacting with a service you love. And so understanding that narrative that's playing in your customer's head as they're interacting with your brand is very important. The other component of the ecosystem piece is understanding what's normal in your customer's world. If you think about the, just the difference between uh, baby boomers and even gener um, Gen X or even uh, millennials, they all have different definitions of normal. So what might be normal for a baby boomer is not going to be normal for a millennial. And so understanding the types of products and services and resources they might have available at their fingertips all comes into play when you understand their ecosystem. And so let me kind of tie this all together with a story. Um, actually, before I tell the story, I want to share the, the fourth component. And that fourth component is actually uh, equally as important as the first three. And actually, if you don't have this fourth component, the first three really lose their power. And so the fourth component of a, uh, of a personalization strategy is having a transparency plan. So what is this transparency plan? A transparency plan is actually a method in which you present information you know about your customer in a place where they can decide what they share and what they don't share about themselves and then determine how you use it to personalize or improve their experience. And so this also helps frame the standards that you as an organization uh, maintain and the terms you adhere to because ultimately your customer wants to be in control of their information and they want to have privacy. And so when you create a transparency plan, uh, giving them the uh, ability to control the information that you learn about them or store about them, uh, this builds trust. And this helps you maintain privacy and meet regulation regulatory standards. And so one of the things that I want to share with you is kind of this story that a uh, recent experience that happened to me that I believe will just kind of tie this all together to give you an idea of what this looks like. So the other day I received a letter in the mail from my mortgage company telling me that one piece of information on my homeowner's insurance policy didn't match the information on my mortgage documents. And so I had to set aside some time to call the 1-800 number that they put in the letter and wait on hold and explain to the representative uh, what was going on. So the representative listens and has their head wrapped around the problem. They put me back on hold. And then after a couple of minutes of listening to some terrible uh, music, uh, they come back and then they explain to me that I need to go down to the post office and request, uh, basically stand in line and request for a clerk to write a letter uh, explaining and ver verifying some information that they needed. And then I was to fax that information. That was the only method fax that information back to my mortgage company to then get everything updated. Now, the problem with this situation is maybe for one generation, this is 
standard practice. But I'm actually a millennial. So I would have, um, what they failed to understand was the fact that if they would have sent me an email instead of a letter, gave me a link to actually go ahead and update the information they're asking me to update through the dashboard I already used to pay my mortgage, I would have been done. But they didn't understand the products and services that are in my ecosystem, and they wanted me to use a fax machine. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't use faxes in my everyday life. I'd have to go to a, um, a office or a you know office depot maybe and borrow a fax machine just to update the information that they're asking me to update. And so all of these types of things that happened in that experience created friction. And now if another company was able to give me access to update the information that they needed updated without me having to call a 1-800 number, sit on hold, talk to a rep, explain myself, get back on hold, get the instructions, physically down, go down to the mailbox, uh, post office, stand in line, have someone write a letter, fax the information back, which is a ridiculous experience, right? Um, then that company that's able to do this in a seamless way has my loyalty. And so that's the importance of having a personalization strategy. So as we kind of think about the big picture of what our customers are thinking, feeling, experiencing, a personalization strategy helps us meet the customer's expectations, anticipate their needs before they need it, and manage the relationship that our customers have with our brands and the services that we create. So I'd love to hear your comments below on some examples of good personalization practices that you might have experienced uh, in the products or services that you've used. And I'd also love to hear some of the, the creative ways that you might be implementing a personalization strategy in your own business. And if you need help uh, with any of the ideas that I shared in this particular podcast uh, episode, uh, go to askmikegonzalez.com and schedule a call. And I'd love to work with you and help you establish a personalization strategy.